Well, we're going to get into the Word of God again today, and those of you who've been watching the past few weeks, uh, you remember we are dealing with church powerful, and uh, the Lord's put this on my heart in this time and season, um, because of the season we are living in, it is time for the church to arise, it is time for the church to go to new levels in all aspects of our lives and become truly the church that Jesus had in his mind and in his heart. I didn't complete this. Uh, I got to a place where I shared with you that we as a people of God should be different to the world in our thinking, in our reactions, in our decisions, and in the way we speak and what we say. We should stick out. We should be a peculiar people, different to the rest of the world. A holy nation reflecting God's character and God's nature. You see, the more we give room to carnality and sin, the more we are not reflecting the holiness of God. The more we are reflecting the world and not God. And so it is very important that we sometimes look at our lives and deal with those remnants of carnality and sin that we have sometimes just allowed to remain and begin to deal with these things in order to open the way for more of the power of God to operate in us. And I left you with this thought last week concerning true conversion. And I said this is what true conversion really is. We used to think and act this way. Now we think and act in a different way. God's way. That is what is proof of conversion. If nothing has changed in my life, if I say I've received Jesus, but I'm still doing things the way I used to when I was in the world, then I begin to doubt whether I've really had a true conversion, a true change in my life. Amen? So I left you with that thought last week, and now I'm going to pick up on certain things that the Bible speaks when it's talking about the flesh and carnality. That's what carnality means, is, is the flesh, the desires of the flesh. And uh, from the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verses 19 to 21, says this. It says, Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, rivalry, jealousy, outbursts of anger, quarrels, conflicts, factions, envy, murder, drunkenness, wild partying, and things like that. I'm telling you now, as I've told you in the past, that people who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, Although most Christians don't practice these things, I know that very well, yet there are numerous fruits of the flesh that are often practiced by, by Christians. And uh, I just want to uh, go through some of these, what I call some of the fruit of the flesh or carnality most common in the church today. And I want to give you some examples of that. Expressions of anger, frustration, negativism, being negative about things, 
critical tongue, very rife in the church, gossip, quick to judge, quick to judge. Many, many people in the church, very quick to judge. Selfishness, strife, doubt, very common in the church, complacency, hard-heartedness, carnal pride, and spiritual pride. These things are rife in the, in, in the church. Sexual lust, you'll be surprised. Jealousies, offense, unforgiveness, lying. I've been shocked over years, I've been pastoring how many people blatantly lied and they claimed to be Christians. Blatantly lied to my face. I know they were lying. And there could be other things. These things that I've just mentioned are examples of what's very common aspects of carnality that's still operating in the church today. Not just today, it's been like this even since the early church. In the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verses 5 to 10, Paul writes to the Colossian church, it says this. He says, so put to death your worldly impulses. In other words, your carnal flesh. Put that to death. In other words, make a decision to ask, to let the Holy Spirit begin to move you out of that kind of lifestyle into a godly lifestyle. One that reflects godliness and holiness. So Paul says, put to death your worldly impulses, sexual sin, impurity, passion, evil desire and greed, which is idolatry. Then he says, it is because of these things that the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. You used to behave like them. And he's talking to the church. He says, you used to behave like them when you were living among them. But now... In other words, now that you brought Jesus into your life, now you must also get rid of these things. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene language from your mouth, and all such sins. Paul is writing to the church. Do not lie to one another. He's writing to the church. You think this is today? No, this is also in the days of Paul. Because it's human nature. Do not lie to one another, for you have stripped off the old man with its practices and have clothed yourself with the new man, which is being renewed into full knowledge according to the image of the one who created it. In other words, reflecting the image of God. Hallelujah. So we need to sweep the house clean if we are to see the power of God at work through us as God desires. Amen. So two things we have dealt with so far. Number one, unbelief. Number two, sin and carnality. These are obstacles to the power of God developing and increasing in and through your life. Number three, we need to deal with spiritual ignorance. You see, ignorance of God's word and his spiritual principles and truths will stop the power of God from flowing in and through our lives. 
This is why it's so important for us to spend daily quality time in God's Word, asking the Holy Spirit to bring the revelation and understanding that we need. We've got to fill our hearts with the Word of God. Not with thoughts of the world. We've got to be spiritually, uh, I don't know what the right word is, but we can't be spiritually ignorant. Let's put it this way. We've got to be conversant with the Word of God. We've got to know the Word of God. In the book of Corinthians, Paul again writes to the church in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 34. He says, become sober-minded as is right and stop sinning. Writing to a church again. For some are ignorant of God. I speak this to your shame. This is what Paul writes to the church. Some are ignorant of God. Now, ignorant of God means ignorant of his word, ignorant of his character, ignorant of what he expects of us. So I want to say this to you. The power of God is released through the exercise of faith. And when we cannot exercise faith in what, and, and we cannot exercise faith in what we are ignorant of. You can't put your faith in the word of God if you don't know what it says. Amen? So we need to move out of spiritual ignorance. In any event, you know, God's word clearly tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So in other words, if you don't hear the word of God with your inner man, your faith will become minimum. For your faith to grow, you've got to put your word, the word of God, sorry, in your heart. You, go, you cannot remain spiritually ignorant. Your faith and my faith will be very limited, if not non-existent, unless we have God's word in our hearts. Amen. So that's the third thing. We've got to deal with spiritual ignorance. Because without growing in the Spirit, growing in understanding the ways of God, the power of God will not be developed in us and through us. One of the major ways in which the enemy keeps the people of God ignorant today is by keeping them so busy with stuff that they do not make time for God's Word. You know, Jesus spoke a parable about the sower and the seed. And one of them, he said, chokes the word. And that is all the stuff that we, we call them thorns and thistles and things that choke the entrance of a word and the keeping of a word in your heart. It's talking about the busyness of life. And that's what the enemy loves doing. He keeps us so busy we don't make time for God. The Bible tells us that in the last days, the, the enemy, the devil, will seek to wear down the saints. That means he keeps you so busy, but by the end of the day, you're so exhausted, you don't even have the, the strength to pray. You don't have the strength to read a good book. You don't have the strength to, to, to get into the Word of God and to give some time to study the Word of God. 
And this is so true of a church today. And I can tell you this, unless you make a special effort to give priority to the word of God, you will remain spiritually ignorant. Because the business of life is not going to go away. In fact, to be quite honest, it's going to get worse as time goes. Many Christians are worn down, constantly tired. They are too tired to read or study God's word. Yet we know that life comes from God's word. The life of God comes from his word. The word of God is what sustains all things by the life that it generates in our lives. Proverbs chapter 4, 20 to 22 says this. My son, pay attention to my words. This is God speaking. My son, pay attention to my words. Stretch your ear to what I say. Let them not depart from your eyes and keep them in the center of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all his flesh. And you know that word life in the Greek means is, is the word zoe. And that means the life of God. So when talking about church powerful, we're talking about the power of God operating in and through the church. And that power is, 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 is coming from the life that is in us. The zoe of God, the life of God, which comes from his word. His words are life to those who find them. The Bible tells us that God's word is powerful, alive, and active. We find that in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living. It's something which is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul and spirit, joints and marrow, as it judges the thoughts. That's the word of God that does this. It judges the thoughts and purposes of the heart. So we can't remain ignorant of the word of God and expect to flow powerfully as a people of God in the spirit. Powerful in the spirit is what I'm talking about. We need to understand that God's word contains his very creative power. In fact, to be quite honest, God created the whole universe by releasing his word. He spoke it in faith. He released his word. And when he did, he released creative life, creative power. That's what he did. You see, when we have God's word in our heart, we have the ability to tap into God's creative power and release it through a faith declaration. Now, I don't have time to go in full detail in terms of that today, but what comes out of your mouth is usually stems from your heart. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And the creative power of God works through the declaration of his word that's in your heart. <clears throat> so I want to encourage you to make time to study the word of God. And don't remain spiritually ignorant. You see, when you look at the ministry of Jesus and his life, 
He used God's word to overcome the temptations that the enemy was putting him to after his 40 days of prayer and fasting in the desert. He used the word of God and he just spoke to the devil and said, it is written. And basically he released power to defeat and crush the temptations of the enemy. A Christian that, who is not rooted in God's word is a spiritually powerless Christian. Because that's where the power is. It's in the word. So if you're not rooted in the word, you are spiritually powerless. There is no way that you and I can operate in the power of God outside of his word. No way. So the more spiritually ignorant you are, in other words, the more ignorant you are of the word of God, the less you have the word of God in your heart, the more spiritually powerless you will be. The converse is also true. If you want the power of God to become more and more uh, manifest in and through your life, then you've got to spend time putting the word in your heart and receiving that word. Amen. As I said earlier on, you see that same principle operating through God himself, for example, in his creation of all things. In the healings that Jesus did, he just spoke, be healed, be made whole. He spoke the word, amen, because God's will is his word, all right? And you see it in the way that Jesus defeated the enemy when he tempted him, as we said just now. So people of God, we need to get God's word into our hearts because the Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so your declaration, you know, when you pray and you speak against a circumstance, against a temptation, against a sickness or a disease, you speak it out. You, you, you rebuke it. it. It has to come out your mouth. And so the word of God that will come out your mouth is what you've put in your heart. That is what's going to come out of your mouth. And that's what the enemy will hear. And that's what sent him away, sends him away from what he was planning to do into your life. And then releases the creative power of God that's contained in that word to work in and through you. The same applies when you're praying for someone. It's no different. The power of a word is activated when we declare it from our heart, not just from our lips. It's got to come from the heart, not just from your lips. We can't, you can't learn the word of God intellectually and then recite it and hope to see the power of God at work. No, that doesn't work like this. It's got to be in your heart. You've got to believe, in other words. You've got to believe what the word says. When it's in your heart, you have your faith. Your faith is in it. And when you release that word for a declaration, it becomes a faith declaration and it creates. It's powerful. One of the best ways to put scripture into, into your heart is to memorize that scripture. You know, I've said this over and over again so many times and sometimes I feel like it falls on unfruitful ground because people... Some, some people, I've come to so many who say, well, I can't do that. I can't memorize anything. Yes, you can. God gave you a memory and he expects you to use it. To do what? Well, to memorize his word to begin with. Because that's how you put scripture in your heart. 
And in my own life, I've, I've memorized certain scriptures in the Bible. And they've become part of me. Now when I, when I get into warfare, when I get into a battle against the enemy, those scriptures automatically come out my mouth. Just like Jesus did. It is written, devil. Take your spirit of poverty and get out of here because the Lord is my shepherd. I do not lack. Can you hear me, devil? That's the word of God. Psalm 23 verse 1. I've memorized Psalm 23. I've memorized Psalm 91 and various other scriptures. There is a minister who has memorized over 10,000 scriptures. He knows them by heart. If he can do it, why can't you? Just put in an effort. Try one verse at a time. One verse. That's how you learn it. One verse at a time. Put it in your heart. And when you need it, when you need to, that power to come out of you, that scripture, the Spirit of God, will remind you of it. And so when you declare it, you will declare it with faith. And that is where the most power is released. Amen. The Word of God is our spiritual sword. Our God-given offensive weapon against the enemy. And we cannot expect to overcome the enemy and win the battle without using our offensive weapon, which is the Word of God. It's our spiritual, it's our offensive weapon. The sword of a spirit. So when we declare God's word from our heart and we mix it with faith, we take the enemy's, enemy's head off like, like with a sword. Cut his head off. He stands no chance. He has no chance against the infinite power that is contained in the word of God. He stands no chance. That's power indeed. That is released. Now. I'm going to stop here today. I know that I've labored. Quite a lot of. Of his points. Because I want to take time. To give you an understanding. Of how. To become the church powerful. That the Lord Jesus Christ intended you to become. Amen. He intended it from day one. And he's never changed his mind. And I believe as we get into the closer into the end times. The end of his dispensation. The end of his age. God's will would be for the church to arise to new levels. New understandings. Of how to flow like Jesus did. He is the ultimate example of church powerful. If I can put it like this. The ultimate example. There was nothing that he couldn't do. He did miracles everywhere. He cast out devils. He healed the sick. He multiplied fish. He multiplied bread. He raised the dead. I mean, wow. And he said the same works that I've done, you will also do. Even greater works. But when I look at the church today, the majority of Christians haven't even come close to that level of ministry. It is time, church, to arise. And so now in this series on Church Powerful, I'm going through the things that become a hindrance to the Spirit, to the power of God operating in and through your life. And so put these things in your heart and begin to analyze your own life. 
if you desire more of the power of God and deal with these issues so that you can open up the way, open up the door so that the power can increase in and through your life. Amen. We're going to need it more and more, church. Listen to my words. As time goes, we're going to need that power to operate in and through us more and more as the end of this dispensation comes nearer and nearer. Amen. Praise God. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I thank you that, Lord, that your word that has been preached right now on Church Powerful, Father, will penetrate the hearts of those who are listening and who are watching and transform them and give them the, con the, the, the conviction and, and open up their eyes, the eyes of their understanding and create in them a thirst to see more and more of the power of God operating in and through their lives. And so, Father, I bless every person who watched this preach today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen.